Book 7, Chapters 12 and 13 of The Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 2, by Flavius Josephus, translated by William Winston, Book 7, Chapters 12 and 13. Chapter 12. How the Hebrews were delivered from a famine when the Jebonites had caused punishment to be inflicted for those of them that had been slain, and also what great actions were performed against the Philistines by David and the men of valor about him. After this, when the country was greatly afflicted by famine, David besought God to have mercy on the people, and to discover to him what was the cause of it, and how a remedy might be found for that distemptor. And when the prophets answered that God would have the Jebonites avenge whom Saul the king was so wicked as to betray the slaughter, and had not observed the oath, which Joshua, the general, and the senate had sworn to them. If, therefore, God, the king would permit such vengeance taken for those who were slain as the Jebonites should desire, he promised that he would be reconciled to them, and free the multitude from their miseries. As soon, therefore, as the king understood that this was it was which God sought, he sent for the Jebonites, and asked them what it was they should have. And when they desired to have seven sons of Saul delivered to them to be punished, he delivered them, but spared Mephobenesmith, the son of Jonathan. So when the Jebonites had received the men, they punished them as they pleased, upon which God began to send rain, and to recover the earth to bring forth its fruits as usual, and to free it from the foregoing drought, so that the country of Hebrews flourished again. A little afterward, the king made war against the Philistines, and when he had joined battle with them he and put them to flight, he was left alone, as he was in pursuit of them, and when he was quite tired down, he was seen by one of the enemy. His name was Achman, the son of Araf. He was one of the sons of the giants. He had a spear, the handle of which weighed three hundred shekels, and a breastplate of chainwork, and a sword. He turned back, and ran violently to slay David, their enemy's king, for he was quite tired out with labor. But Abishai, Joab's brother, appeared on the sudden, and protected the king with his shield, as he lay down and slew the enemy. Now the multitude were very uneasy at these dangers of the king, and they were very near to be slain, and the rulers made him swear that, they, that he would no more go out with them to do battle lest he should come to some great misfortune by his encouraged boldness, and therefore deprive the people of the benefits they now enjoyed by his means, and of those they might hereafter enjoy by his living a long time among them. When the king heard the that the Philistines were gathered together in the city of Gazara, he sent an army against them, which Sebeki the Hittite, one of David's most courageous men behaved himself so as to deserve great commendation, for he slew many of those that bragged they were the posterity of the giants. And when David had sent an army against him, Nephan, his kinsman, fought in a single combat with stoutest, with stoutest of all the Philistines and slew him, and put the rest to fight. Many of them also were slain in the fight. Now a little while after this, the Philistines pitched their camp at a city 
which lay not far off the bounds of the country of the Hebrews, they had a man who was six cubits tall, and had on each of his feet and hands one more toe and finger than men naturally have. Now the person who was sent against them by David out of his army was Jonathan, the son of Shemia, who fought this man in a single combat and slew him, and as he was a person who gave the turn to battle, he gained the greatest reputation for in, for courage therein. This man also vaunted himself to be the sons of the giants, but after this fight the Philistines made war no more against the Israelites. And now David began f being freed from the wars and dangers, and enjoying the future of profound peace, composed songs and hymns to God of several sorts of meter. Some of those which he made were trimeters, and some were pentameters. He also made instruments of music and taught the Levites to sing hymns to God, both on that called the Sabbath day and on other festivals. Now the construction of the instruments was thus. The viol was an instrument of ten strings, and it was played upon with a bow. The psaltery had twelve musical notes and was played upon by the fingers. The cymbals were broad and large instruments and were made of brass, and so much shall suffice to be spoken about these instruments that the readers may not be wholly unacquainted with their nature. Now, all men that were about David were men of courage. Those that were most illustrious and famous of them in their actions were thirty-eight, of five of whom I will only relate the performances, for these will suffice to make manifest of the virtues of the others also. For these were powerful enough to subdue countries and conquer great nations. First, therefore, was Josiah, son of Achimes, who frequently leaped upon the troops of the enemy and did not leave off fighting till he overthrew nine hundred of them. After him was Elazar, the son of Zodo. He was the king of Ar Arasem. This man, when once the Israelites were under consternation at the multitude of the Philistines and were running away, stood alone and fell upon the enemy and slew many of them, till his sword clung to the hand of the bloody of the blood he had shed, until the Israelites, seeing the Philistines retire by his means, came down from the mountains and persuaded them, and at that time won a surprising and famous victory, while Eleazar slew the men, and the multitude followed and spoiled in their dead bodies. The third was Sheba, son of Elus. Now this man, when in the war against Philistines, they pitched their camp at the place called Lehi, and when the Hebrews were again afraid of their army and did not stay, he stood alone as an army and a body of men, and some of them he overthrew, and some of, and some who were not able to abide his strength and force he pursued. These are the works of the hands and of fighting which these three performed. Now at the time when the king was once at Jerusalem and the army of the Philistines came upon to fight him, David went to the top of the citadel, and, as we have already said, to inquire of God concerning the battle. While the enemy's camp lay in the valley, they extend to the city of Bethlehem, which is twenty furlongs distant from Jerusalem. Now David said to his companions, We have excellent water in my own city, 
especially that which is in the pit by the gate, wondering if any one would bring him some of it to drink. But he said that he would rather have it than a great deal of money. When these three men heard what he said, they ran away immediately and burst through the midst of their enemy's camp and came to Bethlehem. And when they drawn the water, they returned it again through the enemy's camp to the king. And so much that the Philistines were so surprised at their boldness and alacrity that they were quiet and did nothing against them, as if they despised their small number. But when the water was brought to the king, he would not drink it, saying that it was brought by the danger and the blood of men, and that it was not proper on that account to drink it. But he poured it out to God, and gave him thanks for the salvation of the men. Next to these was Abishai, Job's brother, for he one day slew six hundred Benaiah by lineage of priests, for being challenged by two eminent men in the country of Moab, he overcame them by his valor. Moreover, he was there was a man by nation an Egyptian, who was of a vast bulk, and challenged him. Yet did he, when he was unarmed, kill him with his own spear, which he threw at him. For he caught him by force, and took away his weapons while he was alive and fighting, and slew him with his own weapons. One may also add this to the aforementioned actions of the same man, either as the principle of them in alacricity, or as resembling the rest. When God sent a snow, there was a lion who slipped and fell in a certain pit, and because the pit's mouth was narrow, it was evident he would perish, being enclosed with the snow. So when he saw no way to get out and save himself, he roared. When Benaiah heard the wild beast, he went towards him, and coming at the noise he made, he went down into the mouth of the pit and smote him, as he struggled with a stake that lay there, and immediately slew him. The other thirty-three were like these in valor also. Chapter 13 that when David had numbered the people, they were punished, and how the divine compassion restrained that punishment. Now, King David was a desirous man to, to know how many tens of thousands there were of the people, but forgot the commands of Moses, who told them beforehand that if the multitude were numbered, they should pay half a shekel to God for every head. Accordingly, the king commanded Joab, the captain of his host, to go and number the whole multitude. But when he said there was no necessity for such enumeration, he was not persuaded to countermand it. But he enjoined him to make no delay, but to go about the numbering of the Hebrews immediately. So Joab took with him the heads of the tribes and the scribes, and went over to the country of the Israelites, and took notice how numerous the multitude were, and returned to Jerusalem to the king after nine months and twenty days, and he gave the king the number of his people, without the tribe of Benjamin, for he would not yet number that tribe, no more than the tribe of Levi, for the king repeated of his having sinned against God. Now the number of the rest of Israelites was nine hundred thousand men who were able to bear arms and go to war. But the tribe of Judah by itself 
with 400,000 men. Now, when the prophets had signified to David that God was angry at him, he began to entreat him, and to desire he would be merciful to him and forgive his sin. But God sent Nathan the prophet to him to propose to him the election of three things that he might choose which he liked best whether he would have famine come upon their country for several years or would have a war and be subdued three months by his enemies or whether God should send a pestilence and a distemper upon the Hebrews for three days but as he was fallen to a fiddle choice of great miseries he was in trouble and sorely confounded and when the prophet had said that he must of necessity make his choice he had ordered him to answer quickly that he might declare he had chosen to god the king reasoned with himself that in case he should ask for famine he would appear to do it for others and without danger to himself since he had a great deal of corn hoarded up but to the harm of others that in case he should choose to be overcome by his enemies for three months he would appear to have chosen war because he had valiant men about him with strongholds and that they and that therefore he had feared nothing therefrom so he chose that of the affliction which is common to kings and their subjects and which the fear was equal on all sides and said this beforehand that it was much better to fall into the hands of God than into those of his enemies. When the prophet had heard this, he declared to God, who thereupon sent a pestilence and mortality upon the Hebrews, nor did they die after one and the same manner, nor so that it was easy to know what the distemper was. Now the miserable disease was one indeed, but it carried them off by ten thousand causes and occasions which those that were afflicted could not understand for one died upon the neck of another and the terrible malady seized them before they were aware and brought them to their end suddenly some giving up the ghost immediately with very great pains and bitter grief and some were worn away by their distempers and had nothing re remaining to be buried but as soon as ever they fell were entirely macerated some were choked and greatly lamented their case as being also stricken with the sudden darkness some there were who as they were bearing a relation fell down dead without finishing the rites of the funeral now there perished of this disease which began with the morning and lasted till the hour of dinner seventy thousand nay the angel stretched out his hand over jerusalem as sending this terrible judgment upon it, but David had put on sackcloth, and lay upon the ground, entreating God, and begging that the distemper might now cease, and that he would be satisfied with those who had already perished. And when the king looked up into the air, and saw the angel carried along thereby into Jerusalem, with his sword drawn, he said to God, that he might justly be punished, who was their shepherd. But that the shepherd ought to be preserved as not having sinned at all and he implored god that he would send his wrath upon him and upon all his family but spare the people when god heard his supplication he caused the pestilence to cease and sent 
God to the the prophet to him, and commanded him to go up immediately to the thrashing floor of Orana the Jebusite, and build an altar there to God, and offer sacrifices. When David heard that, he did not neglect his duty, but made haste to the place appointed to him. Now Aruna was thrashing wheat, and when he saw the king and all his servants coming to him, he ran before and came to him and worshipped him. He was, by his lineage, a, a Jebusite, but a particular friend of David's. And for that cause it was that, when he overthrew the city, he did him no harm, as we informed the reader a little before. Now, Arona inquired, Wherefore is my lord come to his servant? He answered, To buy him the thrashing for floor, that he might therein build an altar to God, and offer a sacrifice. He replied that he freely gave him both the thrashing floor and the plows and the oxen for a burnt offering, and he besought God graciously to accept his sacrifice. But the king made answer that he took his generosity and magnanimity loudly, and he accepted his good will. But he desired him to take the price of them all, for that it was not just to offer a sacrifice that cost nothing. And when Aruna said he would do as he pleased, he bought the thrashing floor of him for fifty shekels. And when he had built an altar, he performed divine service and brought a burnt offering and offered peace offerings also. With these, God was pacified and became gracious to them again. Now it happened that Abraham came and offered his son Isaac for a burnt offering at that very place. And when the youth was ready to have his throat cut, a ram appeared on a sudden, standing by the altar, which Abraham sacrificed in the st instead of his son, as we have before related. Now, when King David saw that God had heard his prayer, he had graciously accepted of his sacrifice, he resolved to call that entire place the altar of all the people, and to build a temple to God there, which words he uttered very appositely to what was to be done afterward. For God sent the prophet to him, and told him there should be his son build him an altar, that son who was to take the kingdom after him. End of Book 7, Chapters 12 and 13 Recording by Sheehan Parker Redlands, California.